See, you found us. Okay, welcome to the team. You're listening to Jacked, the Jack and Dexter podcast. Don't get in my way. Hello, and welcome to Jacked, the Jack and Dexter podcast. This is episode 23, and it is Easter, which, let's be honest, is the day for all Jack and Dexter fans because everything is in the shape of a knob, which is nice. Hey. Oh, okay. Happy Easter. I was wondering where you were going with that. <laughs> they need a Jack and Daxter themed Easter egg badly. That would be very excellent. Hey. <laughs> I mean, and Daxter's not too far off from being a bunny uh, avatar. That is true. Got the ears. Yeah, it's those little little pointy uppy ears, very bunny like altogether. Mm. Someone should Photoshop Daxter white. Just and like a pink tummy and all, make him really look yeah. like Easter Bunny. Definitely. Oh, I want to see that. I wonder what the Easter Bunny would be like in the Jack and Daxter universe. It'd probably be mixed with something else. I imagine it would be like dark Daxter. Like they wouldn't have a fluffy uh. bunny. It would have to be something weird. <laughs> a bunny mixed with like a monkey or something. A bunky. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of holidays do you think they celebrate in the Jack and Daxter universe? I don't get the feeling they celebrate Christmas, even though we've seen the fan art. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. I ha- I like to I like to believe that at least in Haven City that there's some sort of Mar Day. That would make sense. Mm, yeah. There's definitely a Baron Praxis Day. Oh, for sure. Oh mm. yeah. Oh yeah. To celebrate all the wonderful things he's done for humanity, of course. Mm. <laughs> I know we got to start, but I'm just going to get into this real quick. I just think Baron Praxis is a really great villain. He's got a lot of depth to him. And he's not just evil for the sake of being evil. Yes, he does hate Jack. Yes, he does kind of hate the citizens of Haven City, but he will do whatever he can to protect it, even if it is to the city's own <laughs> um, safety. Mine, that's interesting because Jason Rubin did say that he thought they never had a really good bad guy, but I do think Baron Praxis is like a good bad guy. I like the voice actor too. Oh, gosh, mm. yeah. I mean, how could you not? But yes, we do need to begin. So the episode today is going to be all the Precursor Legacy base to celebrate our finishing of the mission by mission for the Precursor Legacy game. And Ooh. as we've as we've heard, I'm joined by other people. And if they would like to introduce themselves. Hello, I am Gabinetto. I'm the gerbil that crawled up Richard Gere's ass. CJ. Okay. <laughs> I could redo that if you want. <laughs> I just wanted to say that. Yeah, we'll keep that. Keep it. Keep it. And I'm Darren with a perfectly tame intro. <laughs> yes. And I'm Cherry. And moving straight on to news and updates. First thing is that we are partaking in Jack Month, which is run by Powerzel Zeke. We talked about it in the last episode. And that is a point. Saying this is the Easter episode will date us because we're recording it. Uh, a week early and we only release every two weeks so i imagine this will come out like three weeks after easter so i'm sorry for dating the episode but that is just that is the way it is (laughs) that's just the way it is (laughs) we will be doing an anniversary special for jack month and the dates are to be confirmed but we are on the schedule so that is something nice oh boy oh man oh boy Mm -hmm. oh man oh boy oh man oh man oh man Next on the news is that PlayStation has announced that they will no longer be selling any games or consoles preceding the PS4. Boo. Yeah. 
Would anyone it. like to have a go at reading this screenshot or is that too much of an ask because it's quite long? <laughs> uh, just the entire thing on here? The important changes? The, the entire thing, yeah. Okay. All right. Important changes for the PS3, PS Vita, and PSP platforms. We are closing the PlayStation Store on PlayStation 3 on July 2nd, 2021, and on PlayStation Vita devices on August 27th, 2021, and additional... The remaining purchase functionality for the PSP Portable will also retire on the 2nd of July, 2021, after thoughtful consideration, blah, 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 blah. We decided <laughs> to make these changes. Yeah, no, this is all just corporate non-speak. This doesn't mean anything. <laughs> they don't care about us. They only want your money. They want you to buy the PS4 <laughs> and the PS5. They're like, come well, on, get with the times, man. We got to close out our older stuff. You got you to start playing the newer stuff. <laughs> Thank you for your money. We hope you will buy our next product. Yeah, it is one of those things where they're just sort of backing you into a corner like you have to get the new stuff we're no longer going to be doing the old stuff that's i mean is that how it works or is it like genuinely they don't have the space to run this it's like it's not it's not worth it's not worth it money wise to like keep the old stores going um because there's just Uh not enough people buying stuff from them anymore now like you're still actually able to download anything that you have bought on the older platforms you you will be able to download it but you just won't be able to purchase it new um okay yeah so it's not completely locked out but it just really sucks for people that want to buy new games because there's like on ps vita for example like one of my favorite games ever soul sacrifice delta uh that was relatively overlooked uh and now Mm -hmm. it's like you know if people haven't bought it before which a good few people haven't because it was so overlooked yeah uh, their, their only their only choice for playing it now will be to pirate it well yeah because what about all the games that are what about all the games that are just exclusive to these um consoles what about that are Ooh. they gonna re-release some of these games or like they should like they really should like i would have loved to seen uh soul sacrifice brought out in hd on ps4 like they did with quite a few other ps vita exclusives but it was just overlooked um quite a bit so i don't think they're ever going to bother even though they really should uh, mm. which is a shame because like the first version of it that came out was soul sacrifice that had a physical copy so if you can get a physical copy you can still play it now when the stores are closed but soul sacrifice delta which was the definitive version was digital only um so now oh. so now the only choice for people to actually get into soul sacrifice delta for the first time in its ideal form will be to actually pirate it you see, I, 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 um, I have a feeling that Sony, that didn't even come across their minds when they came to this decision. They probably didn't even bother to think if there were any PSP exclusive games or any PSP Vita games that would no longer mm. be available after this. They just saw money being um, wasted and decided to pull the plug. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> Mind, the Jack and Daxter games, they're on PS4, aren't they? As mm-hmm. like- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, okay. and that's, how, that's the only reason we got Jack X is because they re-released them for the PS4, but this time they included Jack X in the re-release. Mm. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's like the original PS2 versions ported to the PS4 and upscaled to HD, whereas the HD trilogy that came out on PS3, like if you have a physical copy and you can play it, it's fine, but the physical copies are becoming rarer as time goes on, so they're probably going to be mad expensive in future. Uh, and as for copy. digital, yeah, me too. Um, but like, you know, if people want to get the digital versions of the HD versions, which genuinely do look better than the PS2 versions in a lot of ways, despite the a few glitches being present, uh, their choice as well would be to fork out for a really expensive physical copy or to try and pirate the digital version online. Mm. Put on a jailbroken PS3 or something. <laughs> 
But at least we'll have our copies. Yeah, I've already just been looking into jailbreaking the PlayStation. I mean, to be honest, though, I'm surprised they even kept up compatibility for this long. PS3 uh, can't, it was, is now two consoles ago. Blimey. Okay, so this next segment is going to be the Precursor Legacy Facts. And this is where each host is just going to bring some facts about the game. Again, we're celebrating the ending of the Mission by Mission. I will kick off. And this is like the basic of the basics. And it really vaguely links to the Precursor Legacy, but I wanted to include it. And this is that Jason Rubin and Andy Gavin co-founded Naughty Dog in 1984. Various states actually say like it's 1986 or... 1982 but the website says 84 so i'm going with that when they were no older than 16. i thought that was cool um my next fact is that the precursor legacy took nearly three years to develop and there was 40 people on the team jason rubin was in charge of particles so that's all the bits that are like fiery and eco balls and whatnot Um, so their idea when they were developing it was to make a seamless world where you could walk from one end of the island to the next uh, to the other end of the island without any loading screens at all, which was a huge uh, a huge thing to aspire to for the PS2 hardware back in the day, especially seeing as the PS2 was a brand new console and they hadn't even fully got to grips with it. So Andy Gavin wrote Goal, which is game oriented assembly Lisp. It's like a spin-off of like another form of programming language. Don't ask me what it is because I only have a cursory understanding of it. Uh, but he basically applied that to Jack and Daxter. And that's how they accomplished the no loading screens goal. Um, there's a couple of little parts in the game where if you move through the game too fast, Jack will fall over. And that's actually a cleverly hidden mini loading mm. screen. Uh, but other than that, there isn't any actual screen that tells you the game is loading. Which Whoa. was a huge accomplishment. Where he tri- he like just trips over himself. Yeah, that's actually a little. I, that that has happened to me. I remember that happened to yeah. me on like a bridge in Sandover Village, and I was like, "What the? He-? I've never seen that before." I just <laughs> would walk over this bridge and I trip right over. I'm like, "What the? Where is?" And then like I swear it's like never happened to me before after that. But I re- distinctly <laughs> remember it being such a weird feature that like just never happened again. He would just trip over. Yeah, you must have been moving through the game so fast that the next area didn't quite load <laughs> fast enough. So the game was like, oh, trip them up, slow them down. Wow, that's that's insane. That's really insane. That kind of caps how quickly speedrunners can do it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's uh, like, well, they kind of bypass a few other things that maybe doesn't allow for the tripping thing to happen maybe that's all I like y'all seen speedruns of jack 2 Mm. where people are able to skip like 66 percent of the game yeah 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 there's just one spot yeah you can skip at least like 60 percent of the game it's uh, it's insane shit you essentially you can like you you glitch through the door to get to the mar level the like tomb of mar level hey hey, spoilers bro spoilers (laughs) we're not we're not on that game yet (laughs) All right, I'll, I'll kick it off with the next fact. Uh, here we go. <clears throat> In January of 1999, the game had a code name of Project Y, and I don't know why it is called that. <laughs> that was just recorded as one of its first, first names. The rest of the Naughty Dog team at the time was working on Crash Team Racing. By t- 2002, the game had sold a total of over 1 million copies worldwide, 2 million copies by 2007, and 15 million, including digital copies, by 2017. You really remind me of like those YouTube 
like documentaries of games that I watch sometimes. Like you've got, I think it's the American accent. It just lends itself to it. Hello, I am American. I'm here to talk <laughs> to you about Jack and Dexter. Brilliant. Uh, unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bro, I don't speak freedom. <laughs> I'm only going to put on semi-notifications. Mm. Man, that is a lot of games. Like, the first game did do the best, didn't it? Yes, by far the best. Mm. Pro- probably, yeah. The Daxter Man. spinoff, though, did, uh, was no, um, uh, no slouch either, though. It sold over 5 million copies worldwide. Oh, damn. That's pretty cool. Mm. And that was after that, um, what was the other one? Lost Frontier. That was after that one. No, that was before. I'm surprised people would. Wait, it was before the Lost Frontier? Oh, yeah. The spinoff came out in like 2005, 2006, I think. Oh, okay. Um, I, I know for sure. Sh- uh, I don't know about, I don't know if this is a, fa- a real fact or not. I mean, I just, I remember when it came out. And the PSP came out at the same time. I think Daxter was one of the launch titles. I remember I got uh, my PSP as a bundle with Daxter. So I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. that the Daxter bundles uh, really drove the pre- uh, PSP pre-sales in the beginning because there were very few games available. Um, they didn't have the Grand Theft Auto spinoffs or the um, Final Fantasy stuff ready yet, I don't believe, at the time. And those games, I, I did go look up in the top, uh, the top best-selling games for the PSP and Daxter is just barely in the top 10 and it gets at number 9 and number 10 but it is in the top 10 best selling games for the PSP hmm. that's um, awesome cool. <clears throat> I even um, I had Jack X and so if you hooked up your PSP to your Playstation 2 if you had the Daxter spinoff you were able to get the Daxter mobile for Jack X oh, I remember racing. That. it had, yeah, had by far so the best fun. stats and uh, you could also get, if you had memory save files for um, Jack 1, 2, and 3, you could get the Jack 1, 2, and 3 skins available as drivers for Jack X as well. I had those. I had those on my original PlayStation 2. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You could unlock Ratchet as well from Ratchet and Clank. You could unlock him as a driver. And my mm-hmm. brother um, was very into sports games too. He had a bunch of like deer hunting games and golf games. One of those games was Hot Shots Golf 4. And I did not oh. notice at the time, but when we were playing it and we were going through all the special stuff, I saw Jack and Dexter listed there as um, unlockable characters. And yeah, you can unlock all of Jack's mm. um, skins, and you can use Daxter can be your golf caddy. That's cool. There's an extra little Easter egg about that: the Hot Shots and Jack and Dexter being in it in PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale. If you play on the Jack and Dexter map, uh, eventually the map will turn into a Hot Shots golf kind of theme. And there's like golf balls to dodge, and you could see the Hot Shots golf characters in the background hitting the balls. Wow. Okay, my next fact is that if you stick around for 24 minutes, you see the lighting landscape go through a whole day. So from sunrise to midday to sunset and then night, which I, I love. It reminds me of The Sims, like how their time speeds up. I just like it. It makes sense that it'd be 24 minutes. I think it's a nice detail. Yeah, it does. It's kind of satisfying. That's the, That mm. was the thing to add in video games in the early 2000s was a day and night cycle. I remember when they put it in Pokemon Gold and Silver, it felt like it was just an earth-shattering like new game mechanic. <laughs> mm. Nowadays, it seems pretty tame. I love it. But I mean, Yeah, like, I don't see how you can have a game without it now. Yeah, that's true. And kind of related to that fact is that there is a green sun for a green sunrise 
I like that they didn't want this to be Earth, so they changed the color of the sun, because I think it does make a distinction. Yet somehow the Earth or the world is not bathed in a green light at all times. That is true. Mine, that would be annoying. <laughs> it would be kind of cool, though, just to see me. Oh, it could be like a green sunset. I think they kind of have that a little bit, but it... Yeah. It's funny how the green sun was literally never mentioned or like any attention was brought to it throughout any of the games in the series. Nobody ever talks about it. No. Yeah, it would have been cool if they had made something of it. Like, because it is in all the games. I remember, especially in Jack 3, because of the whole desert, like, you could really notice the green sun. Maybe like how the day star was also kind of a, a bright thing in the sky. Maybe the green sun is something else, mm. a different species. Mm. Maybe. <laughs> um, I just remember uh, from all the behind-the-scenes footage, and then they even talk about this in the Wikipedia article, they made a concerted effort to make sure that the overall aesthetic of the games was an even blend of both Eastern and Western cultures to make sure that they could attract as uh, big an audience as possible to the first mm -hmm. game. I think the Eastern influences take over a little bit in Jack 2 and 3, except for Jack 3 when they bring the, the Doom buggies and the it, it kind of comes back a little bit. Um, I do think it is nice even blend. You know, you have like the big brass guns and action stuff that's from the Western audiences, but then you have like the more subdued storytelling, you know, the actual visual aesthetics, the the mm -hmm. costumes the buildings all that stuff is very indicative of eastern culture um and bizarrely um jack and dexter was a huge success in japan from what i understand jack 2 was not um and they made a jack 3 dub for japanese audiences but since jack 2 was such a flop apparently in japan they never even released jack 3 in that territory until the re-releases years later whoa damn Mind that that kind of links to my next point, which was that Jack was designed by a committee, which really makes sense with the whole Japanese, Eastern and Western cultures being like really prominent in the characters. So yeah, I love Jack's design. But Daxter was a single vision, which I'm glad because I think if they tried to make Daxter like likable for everyone, I think he would have been really anodyne and boring. Now Daxter was definitely a great addition i'm glad they had him and had jack silent made you appreciate both characters I, I think though it's max Crisella though that really makes daxter special i mean the design of course works and you know it maybe may not have been as popular if it had been a different design but i really feel like it's the voice acting for daxter that really sells the character mm -hmm. definitely i agree with that like the voice i can't imagine someone else doing the voice and still loving daxter as much because he did have like is it like a New Yorky sort of twang to his voice? Almost, something like that. And that's why I said, too, mm. if they ever do a movie, I mean, why not just get Max to come back? I mean, it's a voiceover part. Uh, there's no reason why they couldn't get Max to voice Daxter again for any media. Yeah, you yeah. just need to throw a bunch of money at his face and be like, bro, come on, Jack 4, it's time, let's go. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay, moving on now to our main discussions. These are both Precursor Legacy based. I feel like I could just record me saying that and then just put it in various parts of this episode. <laughs> so the first discussion is what is beyond the secret ending door? The one that lights whiteness all over the characters and no one really knows what it well, is. Well, first the question should be, Cherry, did you beat the game? What's that? Did you actually beat the game? 
No. <laughs> Cherry. <gasps> Cherry. <Bro. No. laughs> How can we have this discussion? We relieve you, you of your command. Now get out. Where did, where I did can you... watch the cutscenes on YouTube these days. Oh, I've seen this man. Capelucci <laughs> played it on YouTube like a uh-uh. <laughs> You're a fake fan. Fake fan. <laughs> no. Let's cancel Cherry. <laughs> all right, all right. We can still get into it. It's all good. It's all good. It's not the end of the world. Good. You'll still enjoy the game regardless. Yay. Well, I just want to say, because last episode we did touch on this and it was brought up that it's apparently it is the rift rider that is through those doors and i don't like that i think that's crap because why would the rift driver make that sort of like beaming light well um and i have i have just the answer for you cherry um if you watch the jack 2 opening cinematic um yep i've heard this the um the the rift ring is off to the side it's hanging off the edge of samos's hut and it's shining very brilliantly like it was like the same kind of shine that you saw at the end of the cutscene at Jack 2. So I think what they're looking at is actually the Rift Gate. And then that's the what Rift, I like, like someone, too. The Rift Rider is right behind it or off to the side somewhere like somebody put here. Yeah. But if they found it when it was broken, why would it be making that light? Well, it wasn't broken. I mean, that's probably where the Rift Gate always was. And then Samos probably hid the Rift Rider there after they returned back to the uh, past from Haven City. Who said it was broken? At the start of Jack 2, aren't they like, oh, Kira fixed it? She said, I hope we didn't break anything moving it down here fr- uh, to the lab. Yeah, that's what she said. She said, she said that. we hope we didn't but break anything. I thought someone said they got it working again. Well, they probably were tinkering with a few things, but I don't think they... I don't think anything was broken. Then maybe they didn't think it would work because it was so old. Yeah, they probably just needed to mm-hmm. activate it. It wasn't like broken at all. Uh, but I think it was actually always at the Citadel, and it was just the Rift Rider that she made. Because when they arrive in the future in Jack Two, they don't arrive through a Rift Gate. They like, you know, they all get scattered. They just arrive at different points That's in physical true. space. That's um, true. So when Jack and and Samos come to the past, um, they wouldn't have needed the Rift Rider. They probably like crash landed like wherever Sandover. <laughs> is or like nearby or something but kira says that she only built the rift rider in haven city based off what she remembered from the original one so it's it's implied that you know she she did create the rift rider she sprung it from nothing essentially but she's only basing it off of her memories from the rift rider from when they went into the future originally it doesn't seem like she had a part in its construction before then because it's that 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 whole time loop time travel stuff makes it kind of complicated so I was I was along the theory that it was going to be like something to do with white or light eco, like some sort of paradise through there, and then they just wrote it to fit Jack too. But you are very much bringing me around to the idea of the gate, rather than the Rift Rider, like the gate that I like that idea. Yes. Uh, this will tamper my theory later, but I think oh. it's, it'll still work. <laughs> I think it'll still work. But I'm glad we're we're talking about how we feel about the Rift Rider. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be honest, I I think that you know, since it's a it's a cliffhanger ending for a sequel, um, I think it was it was always a good idea for them to be some sort of like portal or something that they find that takes them to a new universe. Mm. Um, it would be even cool if maybe if they had done the more traditional sequel, it could have been maybe the uh, rift gate to the precursor homeworld or wherever you know the precursors hail from. Could have been a way to find them. Mm. Hmm. Possibly. That would have been cool, yeah. I thought it was like some sort of power. 
because uh, remember when Samo says, "Light of the precursors," like he was saying that in the same yes. way someone would say, "Like oh my God," he was it was an exclamation more than anything. But I thought he literally meant it was something called the Light of the Precursors, which was some legendary mm. artifact or power or something. So I was very excited for the sequel to see what it was. Yeah, that's why I thought it might be Light Eco because it's like in Jack Three, it's like a gift. So it just like you can't make Light Eco. So I was like, okay. I think they left it ambiguous on purpose. Like uh, yes, like uh, they made a big bright light because it could have been anything, and depending on what mm. ideas they came up with, like anything that they come up with would have been fitting for whatever. That's was there. the only issue, though, when it comes to doing stuff like that. If you leave something ambiguous, you're going to have fans getting a lot of ideas in their head, and then when they finally play the sequel or whatever it is, if it's not exactly the way that they envisioned it or exactly what they wanted, they're going to be upset. Yeah. Well, mm. not their game, so that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, that was a short discussion. I think <laughs> that's that right. was our discussion on what is behind the secret ending door. Mind, I like this point that um, I think Darren, you've put, is you wonder what the Naughty Dog scrapped ideas were for what's behind the door. Oh, yeah. I imagine there would be a few. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they would have had to come up with all sorts of things to explain what was behind the door. I can't imagine the Rift Ring was like their first and only idea. Um, yeah, mm. so if we could ever get in touch with someone who worked on, you know, who was in the room at the time and has a, a list of stuff that they put down, I would have loved to hear what they have. Definitely. Oh, maybe the fans have some cool ideas. We need to track them down, get their address, phone number. Bombard them on Twitter. Or Twitter. I do, I do want to know like because i do want to know was jack 2 always the idea did they have any ideas for other sequels did, did they ever consider just going in the same direction i know what inspired the change of direction i just want to know like was that always the plan from the beginning was to do something mm. different and bold maybe they waited to see how the culture of video games was gonna go and what they saw was yeah the, the big gun games at the time they're like all right we can mm. go in that direction if that's what's popping I mean, off GTA right now. came in and really did just change the entire industry. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, should we move on to our second discussion around the Precursor Legacy? Absolutely. Sure. Yes. Yay. Okay, so this is what do we think happened to Goal and Maya? This is a fun one. And yeah, I mean, obviously we see them fall into the dark eco silo, but. You never know, something could have happened in there. First and foremost, I think they would have drowned. Unless the Dark Eco turned them into some sort of hybrid fish. But then I don't understand why the Dark Eco would turn Daxter into an Otsol. But it would just sort of... But it had like a really bad effect on Gaul and Maya. I don't know how they pick and choose. So I don't know if it would have been that beneficial. In Jack 3, they kind of describe the Dark Makers as having been changed by their exposure to Dark Eco as well. And somebody mentioned here that it was over a long period of time. Uh, Daxter got like a, f uh, he was surrounded by it and all at once and came popping back out. Whereas Gaul and Maya probably experimented with Dark Eco over at least a decade, probably longer. And it's implied that Gaul was there first and then he kind of brought Maya on as he continued his research. Mm -hmm. So short-term exposure. Yes, that's probably why their skin is green, uh, blue, and um, yeah. And then why why mm -hmm. uh, why Gaul has all of the mutations and the robotic arm, and why Maya is still essentially healthy, she just has blue skin. Are they the blue sages, though? No, they're, they're supposed to be the dark eco sages. Oh. 
God. I mean, I really am a fake fan. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even know the dot. Oh, okay. Anyway, who's next? Uh, me. Uh, yeah, just talking about the long-term exposure. Like when you look at their their uh, characters in the design bible, Gaul and Maya. Um, they point out that like Gaul's gauntlet was designed by Maya, and it's designed to protect him from Dark Eco. But like, it is very very noxious stuff. So over time, I'd imagine like little small accidents or like just breathing in fumes from them or something uh, would have would have changed him long time. Staring into the abyss corrupted him. Um, so I think, like, yeah, long-term exposure would have that effect on whereas Daxter, like, got bombarded with it. And even then, I'd say getting turned into an Ocel is, like, a 0.01% chance or something ridiculously small like that. I, I, I like to think that the precursors have always been watching out over Jack and Daxter, especially since they know that Jack eventually goes into Haven City. So probably they were watching over and maybe made that happen as a way to save Daxter from certain death. Because mm. it's like, oh shit, Daxter's about to die. We can't have that messing up our plans of him them going back into the future and saving the world. I don't know. Alrighty. It would be very soon to kill him off. <laughs> yes. Alrighty, it is my time. This is a fun personal theory of mine. And before any Ooh, criticism is made, I would like to get through it before I say this. I personally okay. think that Gull and Maya... <laughs> are the OG Dark Makers. As the team Aunt travels Rog. to the future... Hold on, hold on. As the team travels to the future, Golem Maya... I like to think that Golem Maya <laughs> planned their revenge for the years on end. I would imagine that uh, they look similar, but buffer and more distorted to that of the Dark Maker troopers that appear later on in the game. I also like to think that the Dark Satellites that are seen throughout Jack 3 were actually searching for Jack the whole time to relay his location back to the Dark Makers. Perhaps the reason the Precursors had given Jack the Rift Rider and Portal, though the, now that after we had a discussion about the Rift Rider, it was kind of also made by Kira, but this still could work. That's just the fact that they gave them mm -hmm. a portal. Um, uh, was to put him in a place that would allow him to grow into the hero that would destroy the Dark Makers, or possibly just to simply disguise Jack away from the Dark Makers, instead of leaving them to wait back in Sandover Village for Golemaya to return and kill off Jack and the entire planet. Onan, Onan explains that the Dark Makers had battled over several other planets against the Precursors for, quote, mm -hmm. as long as time has turned and that Jack's planet was not the first they had visited. Perhaps Gull and Maya were released from the silo, and the Precursors had become sort... The Precursors had some sort of battle or negotiation about their evil plans of revenge and destruction, thus going to other planets first before returning back to Jack's. The, qu the quote, as long as time has turned, makes me believe that time had turned the moment the team decided to use the Rift Rider to go into the future, or also perhaps when da the moment that Daxter fell into the dark eco-pool and was, quote, or not quote, uh, but was blessed, uh, air quotes, to be turned into a precursor. It also could have been a subliminal motive by the precursors to help Jack understand how the precursors were always there for him, thus why making his best friend at the time become one of them when he fell into the dark eco. Ooh. Heavy. Mind, I love that bit about your theory on a battle between the Precursors and the Dark Makers, because that could explain, like, how the whole landscape for Jack 2 came about, like, all that destruction. Mm -hmm. yes. That's an awesome theory. 
the only problem I have with that theory, and it's a great theory, I love it, and I have I, actually read a fan script, I think, a long time ago of a potential Jack 4 that brought Gaul and Maya back as villains and actually had some sort of a similar revelation that, oh yeah, they've been controlling the Darkmakers this whole time or whatever. Um, doesn't the precursors refer to the Darkmakers as precursors, having been precursors at one point? but their exposure to dark eco changed them. So that's just a one line that contradicts it just a little bit, but it could be, that could easily be deleted or retconned for your theory to make sense. I love that. That makes, I love that theory actually. I was looking all over the Jack and Dexter fan wiki and whatnot, like researching what everything's been said about dark makers, the troopers, precursors, things like that. Uh, I did not come across that the precursors had made those remarks uh, if I did, well, it's it's there, but. it's one of the scenes. It's one of the like scenes in Jack Three when they're at the temple and they're talking to the Oracle and they're talking about what's going on. And he's like, "The Dark Makers were once precursors, but their exposure to Dark Eco changed them." Hmm. Then perhaps maybe Gol and Maya have a tighter connection to the precursors that we just may have never seen. Maybe we just knew them as bad guys in the first game. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe that was a it was a good intention to for them to really be a, uh, the main yeah. boss or bad guys in that game. They're like evil precursors. It's just such a waste to keep them off screen after just one game. I can't. I wish they would have brought them back somehow. I think that's the only way. Really, if they ever brought or did a continuance of the game, it would have to be bringing back Golemaya. It would just. It would literally perfect the game the series and put a little bow on top like it yeah would bring it so back nice. full circle yeah full circle it would make the first game more relevant as well because i do feel like the first game is almost like you don't need to play it to get the other three you don't unfortunately yeah because jack 2 is essentially like a soft reboot of the series yeah mm. yeah essentially yeah, it pretty much is yeah i really like that interpretation of like as long as time has turned I always thought of it as like maybe when the precursors mm. were first doing their thing that like time didn't exist like maybe they existed in this weird just outside of time but then after the dark makers got yeah. introduced it like introduced multiverse confirmed <laughs> yeah, like maybe when the dark makers <laughs> came along it introduced like mortality into the universe and a lot of other <clears throat> like pandora's box-esque things you know uh introduced entropy or something and that's when time started turning but the idea of it like being turned as in like turned into like a new way of functioning with the the riff rider and stuff that is actually such a cool interpretation of the phrase i never thought of it that Mm. way and that's just really cool agreed thank you i have a question for you guys um outside Mm. of uh, ratchet and clank what do you think would be a great crossover event for jack and dexter Mm. i guess sly cooper the Sims. <laughs> no, the Sims. The Sims. Yes. <laughs> the Simps. <gasps> the Simpsons. Oh gosh. And those are the only games that I play. Carry on. Have a have a serious discussion about this with actual gamers. Mm. Go on. Tiger Tasmanian Tiger. <laughs> yes. Ooh. Yes. Yes. Oh that my works. gosh. Somebody who knows that yes. game. Eco boomerangs. So anyone? Hell yeah. <laughs> Oh, the flame, the flamerang. That, that, that was my favorite yeah, one. Maybe like Titan suit bunyips and you know put tie on a hoverboard. Oh or my something. god, though, I could never get past the first boss battle where you have to kill that shark. Oh yeah, he's very annoying. 
It's very hard. You guys are speaking Europe to me. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> Sorry, I don't speak freedom. My apologies. <laughs> Please speak freedom. Mind. I'm seeing a lot of crossover art on the Jack and Daxter fan pages. So that's nice, especially Siobhan. Mind, mm-hmm. we got a nice mention on the Jack and Daxter um, Facebook pages a couple of weeks ago from... Um, Two listeners, Alex Hernandez and Siobhan Roberts, they had some really nice things to say about the podcast, which is nice. It's, it's nice to know people are listening, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and Siobhan noticed that we put them in Daxstums, which I thought was cool. Aww. I saw those posts, too. It was nice. Mm. Okay, are we ready to move on? To be honest, I think... Um, it's a fate worse than death for Gaul and Maya, especially for Gaul, you know, trapped in trapped in a destroyed robot head for all eternity with your annoying little sister. <laughs> See, I, f- I feel more for Maya because she is trapped in a cramped space with her an lunatic older and... brother. Yeah, with like this weird old man looking thing. I mean, honestly, I think they're either dead or their exposure to Dark Geeko probably helped them build up an immunity of sorts. So they're probably Uh, severely mutated by now. Um, Mm. Or they or they just turned into Otzels like Daxter. (laughs) That'd be funny. I I doubt they got the Otzels. Well, they didn't get a chance to pop back out. So, yeah, that just makes me I just I, I think they're probably dead. But I, mm. I just love, I love Samos being a troll. Uh, yeah, the, the Dark Eco probably destroyed them. <laughs> yeah, he seemed very unsure, which I like how they, they made him say that. Because it's still, like, to this day and throughout the games, a point that they still could come back around. I mean, mm. yeah. I mean, that's, that's the main rule of, like, movies for me. If you don't see them die, they're not dead. Oh, I actually, I actually completely forgot yeah. to mention my second point about them surviving. Um, so just an, an idea I had was like the, the precursor robot head they were in got damaged, right? And uh, the eco in the silo goes deep underground and you can see that there's like underground pools of eco like in Spider Cave and stuff. So maybe there's like underground yeah. rivers and flows of dark eco. Mm-hmm. So what if with her sorcery, Maya puts a little force field around the damaged part and through sheer willpower hangs on long enough for the robot to wash up in like an underground pool and then they ooh what if it gets lost in oh sorry go ahead i just just wanted to add on your (laughs) Uh, it gets washed up in a pool and maybe there's like an underground precursor facility and uh you know maybe a bit of dark eco got in and like mutated them and like boosted their powers uh if they found a load of like robots and stuff underground they made like an army of pseudo dark maker troops you know like mini dark robots and they rise up with a new dark army for the Jack 2 that never happened. Oh. I just thought of a way to link both your idea with the Dark Maker idea. Um, Golemaya could potentially wash away into one of the catacombs that leads to the center of the Earth and then come across all that precursor technology that's down there. And then that's where they make their base of operations. Oh, yeah. Mm. That'd be sick. That'd be cool. And then as a joke, I said, what if they fused together into a mutated monster called Twin Sanity? And then that idea never got used. That's actually a good the idea. The idea never got used, so they used the name for a later Crash game. That's actually <laughs> a really good idea, though. If they had done a traditional Jack and Daxter 2, that would have been a great idea to have Gollum come back as, like, you know, even worse than before. 
and now they're all like mutated together. And then you could have like a Hydra kind of thing where Maya's trying to control one side of the body and Gaul's trying to control the other side, and they're like snipping with each other half the time. It could be fun. I was I was I was always curious how the precursor legacy could have gotten maybe a, a more official sequel Traditional. instead of them trying to push more towards what the current game landscape was and how they went a little more edgier way and instead they continued in the area of Sandover Village and all that. It probably would have been a lot like the Tide the Tasmanian Tiger sequels. It would have probably just been copy and paste, collect the funds with a story with basically just story DLC. We could do like a whole episode in the future talking about like a what if episode of like, you know, what if the series continued yes. from the progressive Yes. Yes, okay. Let's yes, do it. Let's do it. Definitely. <laughs> I love that idea. Gonna yeah. have to move on now. Are we ready sure. to do our favorite mm -hmm. levels of the precursor legacy? Absolutely. Yeah. Take it away. Brilliant. Okay, so now we are all gonna give our favorite level of the precursor legacy. I have chosen Sentinel Beach. I just think it has the best music, as we have discussed previously, especially with um Who's the fan that's doing the, the music? Uh, Pex. Pex. With Pex's music coming out, it really reminds me. It's just good quality, falling asleep, relaxing music. And you get to explore the area on Sentinel Beach without any concerns of difficulty because it's just like an introduction level, really. Mm. And the seagulls, I thought, was such a nice detail, the way they fly off. And if you like zoom in on them or like go around them, you just see them sort of flapping their wings and pecking about. I thought it was lovely. And Still hate those beach snakes. Oh, yeah. The snakes. You hate snakes. And it's just a very scenic area. It has loads of opportunity for some great lore theories because of the... Um, the big oh, statue God. things in the cliffs? No, the... You know, you have to go to the top of one to get the, the little power temple things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Temples. The, like, shrines or monuments or temples. Yeah. Like those, oh, the Sentinels. They're the Sentinels, aren't they? Um, I think so. It's up for debate. Some people think they're the Sentinels, whereas I think the yeah. statues are because it looks like they're guarding something, which is what Sentinels do. But yeah, like either one, it's not official. Mm. But yeah, I mean, it lends itself to great lore, lore theories like Darren has shown in his YouTube videos and has just shown then. So yeah, that is my favorite level of the Precursor Legacy. Nice, nice. A nice subtle... Uh I like a, a subtle part of Sentinel Beach that I kind of like are all the buildings that are scattered around. So Sentinel Beach is kind of like an extension of Sandover Village. Mm, yeah. And they Which, like the levels, the missions blend with the village as well. So that's cool. Oh, and did you guys ever do this? I, um, once I once I played Jack 2 and realized, oh, uh, Sandover Village is the same world. It's built, it's built, uh, Haven City is built on top of Sandover Village. Did you guys ever try to figure out where certain places in the original Jack and Daxter are that, or they correspond to Haven City. I tried to. I saw someone put together yeah. a map of it. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. the Sentinel Beach area is the Sentinel Beach area could very well be the pumping station. I think. I can believe that. I mean, that it makes the most sense because it has like the most beachiness on it. I'd love it if they did put those details in to sort of align with the Precursor Legacy map. I would love that. I mean, to be honest, though, the geography doesn't align at all. If you try to make Haven City a, a, 
if you try to lay overlay Haven City on top of the map from the first game, it just doesn't make sense because Haven City's like jutting halfway out into the ocean somehow. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, islands move, don't they, over time, like the tectonic plates? But it's only implied to be about 500 years. They don't move that much in uh. that short amount of time. It takes thousands of years for any sort of noticeable change uh, to be made to the geography. Yeah, like, like my only explanation for that, I think mm -hmm. I mentioned in a few of my videos, is that like the tectonic activity is a lot more like aggressive and frequent in that world. So like uh, landmass changes like that happen like over a much faster like period of time. It probably would be if the Earth is hollow, <laughs> <laughs> which it kind of is, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, yeah, it would be really volatile not, uh, to live on that planet. I, I want to know how the mechanics of that works. Well, 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 on. now, hang on a second. <laughs> so how you explain the tectonic plates may not change because it takes thousands of years. The days in this world are only 24 minutes. So wouldn't <gasps> that speed things up just yes, a hair dab. and would change the landscape of the planet? Yes, I love it. I love it. Yeah, it could work. I don't think that's how that works, but good point. <laughs> I'm just saying, well, like, still time is a little funky on this planet, clearly. And so yeah, it's, it's, no, I, I don't think you. it's too far-fetched, that landscapes. Because I was also thinking that, oh. and then you said that, and I was like, damn. Oh, on that, lads, they're all yeah. elves. What if time moves really fast, but they all just live for thousands of years because they're elves? Mm. Oh, that this too. is brilliant. That but then why make why make the why make the distinction of it being just a five hundred year gap in time? When when is that said? I don't remember that being said. Was it not three hundred? They don't explicitly come out and say it, but I think it's been officially confirmed that it is a five hundred year gap of time. It's not Earth, though. I mean, the green yeah. sun is like a proof of that. It isn't Earth. It so could be different could... science, different yeah. different different science, rules different altogether. Tectonics, yeah. different. Only Samos would really yeah. know. He has the uh, answers. And we can't ask him. Because he's died. I have a theory <laughs> that Kira... I have a theory that Kira landed um, back in Haven City a couple of years before Jack and Daxter did. And she's aged up to now be the same age as Jack. I think... Okay, oh. I kind of think that too. Because um, when they go into the Rift Rider... I was just thinking this. Uh, when they go into the Rift Rider and uh, some bolt of whatever electricity or something like explodes it... And they fly out, and Samos is all, find yourself, Jack. You can see that Samos and Kira, they fall back farther back than uh, than Jack and Dexter, because they, they keep going forward, and uh, uh, Kira and Samos are a little farther back. So, yeah, I like to also think that they uh, were put on a more previous time than Jack, and then eventually just catch up to the point where Jack and Dexter actually fall into Haven City. And also, if I could just continue for a hair longer... Uh, the Riff Rider fell before them as well and exploded to a bunch of pieces. I also like to think possibly it fell, or what is it, the time map. The time map that's a part of that contraption fell out and uh, was given to someone. I think it was, who is it? Who gives the time map in, like, Jack 3? Is it Seam, Seam yeah. or Onan? No, wait. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's Seam. Is it Seam? But then Crew also has a time map as well. Shit, yeah, he does. So maybe it got to him. I'm trying to remember. How, I'm trying to piece together how it actually got to Seam. Because it makes sense for it to come out in a more previous time than when our heroes get to Haven oh, City. Oh, I think I figured it out. I think I figured it out. <laughs> okay, so um, the, the time map that crew has, that's the original time map. 
that's the one that it's been around in this world forever and then it goes back into the past and then when the um rift rider comes into the future and explodes the time map falls out of the whatever portal or whatever and then that's the time map that seam has Ooh, okay, I like that. Mm. I like that, that there's a two-time map theory. I like that. Oh, and before we move on, I think the Samos uh, and Kira arriving earlier than Jack, I think that was confirmed because Samos was in prison and he said something about adding six rings to his trunk, which is like, what, six years or so? Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, oh! well, that would have been the two years. Well, that would have been, the- been the two years, though, that Jack was in prison. Uh, but he said six rings to his trunk. Isn't that like six years? Yeah, and it can be a different amount of time as well. Yeah, isn't there an old theory that, yeah, you count the rings and that's how many years? Mind, I thought that was like a debunked myth. Was it? No, I'm pretty sure that's still true because I I work in landscaping. With trees? No, you you, you can count the ring. It's not, it doesn't equal, I think, one year per ring. I don't think it's, it's not Mm. quite that, but you still can use the rings to tell a, a tree's age. Maybe it depends on species. We have to analyze what species of tree is on Samos's head now. We have to go deeper. We should probably move on, though. Oh, my uh, goodness. <laughs> um, I second Sentinel Beach as the favorite level uh, for all the reasons that were stated by Jerry because it's just super relaxing and there's all kinds of theories you can make about it. It's just a very chill level where you can ponder the mysteries of the world. Um, but um, my second favorite level is probably the Lost Precursor City, even though I don't actually like playing it because it doesn't feel like a city it's more like a weird uh challenge room or like power station kind of thing i just love the aesthetic of it all the glowing lights and heated pipes and i'm a sucker for underwater locations it's just makes me feel very like cozy Mm -hmm. just enjoying the atmosphere and looking out into the water uh so in terms of atmosphere and coziness uh lost precursor city is probably my favorite see look the underwater thing just makes me feel claustrophobic (laughs) Yeah. I shall continue with my point, Boggy Swamp. I think we kind of already talked about our favorite levels, but so I'm just going to go quick because I remember I went in on how much I love Boggy Swamp. But I pretty much, I always appreciated it as a kid, and I still do to this day. Lots of aesthetics, love the nature-y, outdoorsy vibe to it. Very nice. I think this was the level I said I hated the most when we talked about it. Yes, it was. I just, I think it's the brown, and it's all the... It's those spikes everywhere, too. It's just, ugh. I, I don't know. I never liked going into the swamp as a kid. That's so, okay. You um, don't have to like it. Only I have to I, like it. I do like the, I like the mission of uh, the Zeppelin. It feels like it's a part of the main story. Like, oh, you have to destroy this thing because it's part of the, like, overall, like, big bad plot. Um, It doesn't feel like it's just an extraneous area where you're just going and looking for just orbs again. Mm. It doesn't feel like you do have a purpose in going there. Well, tell me more about the Lost Precursor City here. I love it. I, I know it's Jerry's least favorite one, but um, <laughs> I think I mentioned my Daft Punk um, connection to this. Um, I, for whatever reason, when I'm playing through this level, I'm always thinking of Daft Punk or like heavy electronic music. It just has that kind of vibe to it now. Love the colors, it being underwater. It's a very subtle world building. It's like, oh, are there other little uh structures like this throughout the world what purpose does this place even have why is it even here it's a it's kind of it is kind of a side quest a cul-de-sac nothing really goes on in terms of the overall story but i think it is a good a pretty good like example of a level like that lots of mm-hmm. um cool things to do lots of little cool mini missions more underwater cities please um and I also really love the Sandover Village hub. It's just, it's so iconic, you know. It's like it's one of the it's a, there's a reason that they used it in the what, what was it the PlayStation Move 
or whatever whatever oh, game it was battle royale all stars yeah i think it's like it's just like iconic jack and daxter great location great characters great starting point just really good stuff amen bless up mm. <laughs> okay i'm gonna go now guys so let me know how it goes and thank you no problem see you then cherry thank you cherry have a good easter you take care enjoy your tea thank you bye 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 all right let's move on to the worst level of the precursor legacy cherry says that hers is the lost precursor city and that's gonna frustrate cj but that's all right uh darren you want to go on with uh your worst the war in your opinion the worst level yeah the precursor basin um like i really really like the appearance of it like i love overcast skies and like windy days it's just very like a dark fantasy heavy kind of atmosphere absolutely love that but it's just playing the actual level just isn't all that fun um like (laughs) i hate that the flying lurkers i hate how agile they are just looking at them they should not be mm-hmm. that agile they just defy the laws of physics with their little fat asses and their fucking extremely <laughs> extremely tight corners that they turn um mm, the, they're tight corners and fat asses tight corners and i hate them. Fat asses. um the dark eco plants <laughs> um yeah look I, I don't need to say anything about the dark eco plants just like having to zip back and forth and pick up the green eco and like you know shower them all in it and like if you even miss one um you know the others have time to grow and you just have to just go back and forth and it's just really annoying um very very tedious i agree i uh i hate to carry on from your point but i guess we we're all kind of sharing the same opinion on this one precursor basin for me nah kind of a it had i had some redeeming qualities level design wise like i love some height that you get in there in the kind of there's almost like a precursor little like temple or some sort that's built into it but I mean, compared to the rest of the levels, it's 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 pretty. In my opinion, it's pretty forgettable. Hmm, for sure. Yeah, some of these missions felt like they were a dry run for Jack too. Um, didn't like any of these racing missions really. Orbs are in hard to reach locations. Same with the spider cave. It's too dark, too big. I get lost going around in there. Don't like all the dark, scary monsters. <laughs> It's amazing that a children's game of all things can have the power to unnerve me. Whereas I play something like Alien Isolation or Dead by Daylight, and I'm like hooting and hollering and having a good time. Yeah, when I when I get towards the end of the game, typically Spider Cave is the as the main level that I always have to end up going back to, like hundred percent collecting orbs. Spider Cave, there's always one, it's always one orb that I can never find. And I always feel like yeah. it's just like it's like from one of those like creepy critter crawler things that are coming down the poles and it's just hidden right behind one of those poles and I try to check all of them and I never can I never can find it. There's one save file I have where one orb I'll never be able to 100% that profile cuz I have no idea what that orb <laughs> is. It's just forever broken to me. <laughs> okay, okay. What do we got here? Quick Daxdom fandom fandom of some sort uh here we're coming at from darren stewart who made a post in the jack and dexter eco group page on facebook a couple pictures of his uh dreams i believe uh he used the dream video game platform uh i don't know if it's on pc but i believe it's on playstation uh where he create recreates sandover village uh looks like he's got a few pictures of just the inside of samos's hut and these look these look pretty good uh, looks like uh, what here we'll read Cherry's thoughts on it. She said, "I thought 
It was cool. I really like the bright twinkly effect he's done. Other than the eco coils in the original game, they they uh, they didn't really do that. So yeah. Um, forgive me for being stupid, but what exactly is this that he's making? Is it just like a 3D replica of the village, or is it like a part of the remake that the guy is doing on YouTube? So have you ever heard of Dreams, the game Dreams? No. Oh, you haven't. You might want to take a look into it. I like I said, I don't remember if it's on PC. It might Probably. be, but I know it's on PlayStation. And essentially, it's a video game creator. Like you can create levels, you can recreate platforms, you can uh, adjust your character to jump a certain height, have certain powers. People have used it to re re recreate old video games and create uh, new ones as well. It's a really, really fun. Uh, as you can see in the picture, uh, if you're looking in the bottom left corner, there's a bunch of like commands on the on his controller, and it's like to edit the the world around him. So this guy like built this from the ground up, uh, recreating this in a a video game about making video game levels essentially. <laughs> wow, that's wow, that's pretty impressive. There can be some very cool things that come from it. Like there's a lot of things that are just very like meme worthy stuff, like really crappy Sonic the Hedgehog meme kind of games. Uh, but then like there's people <laughs> that are like super committed and they go really hard at it. And they're you know there's probably somewhere out, someone out there right now who, as we speak, is recreating like all of Final Fantasy VII in dreams, and it's like <coughs> extremely accurate and playable. People can do some really cool things with it. Um, just looking at the screenshots of Darren Stewart's work, so like it looks really cool. I, I'm loving the particle effects as well, but there just seems to be a running trend with like, uh, like fan remakes or recreations of Jack and Daxter that the colors are always like super saturated, and I think that might be because we remember the games as being more colorful than they actually are. Because uh, when you go back to the yeah. games, like well, I think the first game is very much so, but this the other two games they have a much more muted mm. um, color palette. They do, they do for sure. Uh, but I just think that people's memories of the game are more colorful than the game actually is. Like the first game is super colorful and bright, uh, but the this sort of bloom and like the really really pronounced colors weren't yeah. weren't a part of it. Um, but it just seems to be a running trend with fan remakes, yeah. And that glow yeah. particle effect, yeah. Well, uh, what I'll say about Darren, it looks very, very nice. A very good capture of the interior, I'll say. Uh, maybe a tad too much green for my taste, but I don't think that's too bad of a criticism. Uh, but still, at the end, very, very good job. I love the portal. I love the little sprites or little, uh, how, what are they called? Sp I guess sprite, little sprite, uh, yellow, fa almost fairy dust looking stuff. I don't know what to call it. Particles, particles, that's what, that. Little particles that you can kind of see throughout it that look really, really nice. Oh, I'd also like to say the scale of it is really nice as well. Yeah, he's actually managed to get the scale right because that's another thing that remakes can't really find it hard to nail is the size of the room, like the distance of the warp gate from the window and the distance of like the, the thing on the right from the window as well like it's all actually very accurate to the original same most assault so i'd like to praise him for that yeah, that's I, really cool i will agree with that it does yeah that does help it it makes it look very nice so good on you darren uh cj was there anything else you'd like to say about his little level here i can't if you said that he made that from the ground up that's very impressive um this sounds like a cool game can't wait to see what the rest of his uh, San Diego Village looks like. I know it makes me wish I had the the Dreams game so I could actually like because what you can do is you can search up levels and you'd probably be able to search up this specific level, um, 
and you could uh, download it, save it, and play it for your own. You can play it once he's actually done with it, and it actually be like a, a game or level to play. Hmm. I don't know what the restrictions are of how big a level you can actually have it, but uh, <coughs> already trans. Is it just related to video game stuff specifically, or can you do like other things like movies and? Uh, I believe you could do cinematics. Shit. I believe you could do cinematics. You can use it for cinematic purposes, but I think it's mostly aimed towards using it to build levels. To oh, well, what I mean is that can you like recreate stuff from movies, or can you only recreate stuff from video games? Um, like, could you? Could I like recreate a level? Could I like recreate something from like a movie, like a video game, or would it have to be based on a video game? You probably have to put a little more extra effort into it. I I, I would think because I think it's more geared towards people to use it to create levels but uh i wouldn't say it's too far-fetched to say that you could use it to recreate movie scenes or anything that you're thinking about okay already transition not strictly uh the precursor legacy but it is easter after all we have we have here a little facebook post posted by daryl robinson shout out <laughs> where he had uh photoshopped an oracle would have a little some bunny ears and some easter uh, bags or Easter baskets with eggs in them. Looks very nice. Very, very nice edit. I like it. <laughs> you know, guys, I'm noticing there's, uh, you, there has been a lot of Jack and Dexter related stuff that is getting a sizable number of, you know, likes and comments and shares. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Sony or Naughty Dog does announce something this year. I know I'm pretty skeptical and pretty cynical when it comes to the future of the series, but Something's got me seeing that uh, at least hopefully Sony or someone over there is seeing this and knowing that there is still a, a passionate fan base. Yeah, I'm curious, to, I'm curious how big the fan base possibly how big of a fan base there still could be uh, curating over on the uh, other side of the globe, uh, maybe in Japan or uh, Europe and places like that. If there's other people, I mean, I guess we've kind of seen some of it with like uh the Luis guy who's trying to create recreate the game like clearly there's still uh he he's in I can't I can't remember exactly where he's from but it's it's foreign to an extent and that he has um the fact that he is putting out that he's trying to recreate the game and that it has a lot of attention you know clearly there's there's some people in other uh places that are also wanting an, a continuance of the game so yeah I'd, I'd like to say well that guy Sony who wanted to the guy who's doing this like YouTube remake or, or whatever that we've been kind of sketch about isn't he like from Mexico or something? I like I said I don't I don't really remember. I know he's he's foreign to an extent. Like he's not yeah, here in America. Alrighty, uh, what do we got here? Jack joke. Do we know anything about this? She didn't really give us any notes about the Jack joke. Uh, I don't remember who did the last one. I do we, cannot do remember. I can't remember myself to be honest. Uh, hmm. It wasn't me who was nominated, was it? I don't know. Who? Wait, say that again. Um, was it me who was nominated? I don't think it was. I think I would have remembered. Shoot. Well, let's just nominate someone. Um, rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> How's this going to work? Shoot. <laughs> oh, all right. Looks like, CJ, you were nominated for the Jack Joe <laughs> for next week. Oh, you lost. You yeah. put down rock. Next I had scissors. Time. I don't know what to tell you. I'm not I'm not good at best two out of three. Uh Alrighty, I say we wrap this this big boy up. We're already hitting about an hour. We don't want to stress Cherry out with too much more work. So yeah. thank you, everybody, for listening. Hope you have a great Easter. Uh, this is going to be a little dated, but uh, uh, oh, where's the what's the email? Do we know the email? Jack dot 
Uh, I believe it'll be jack.podcast at gmail.com. Ah, there we go. There we go. Thank you, Darren. Alrighty. You boys enjoy the rest of your Easter. And everyone out listening, stay tuned for more. Thank you very much for listening in. Happy Easter, audience, and happy Easter, lads. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You got your own opinions? Want to throw your weight around? Email the show. Details in the show notes.